When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lafondra looking to get side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, welcome to the Unpark Royals podcast, uh, part two of the therapy session, as Paul called it. And this one, we will be kind of going through some of the answers that we put out on social media, asking for some responses to questions that we've asked and looking at particular players this season, their highlights, their lowlights and how they performed. Paul, are you excited for this second session of therapy? Have you paid me for the first one yet? I don't think so. I don't think there are any payments coming that way. Um, Am I excited by it? I'm always absolutely exhilarated i've never felt more alive this is like the pinnacle of my life um yeah, yeah i think Paul's sarcasm is really coming through here <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, it's like no i am it's kind of like the therapy session when we do this one it'd be the last kind of real intensive look back at an absolutely horrible season and i'll be honest that's i'll be glad to see the back of it I mean, we can close the book I'm after this. To the pod, but I want to see the back of this season. Yeah, we can close the book after this one, right, Lansley? Like, we can. You're not going to be able to forget about the season, but at least we won't have to discuss it in much detail. Hopefully, after this, I'm not going to be able to lose my rag at Joe Lumley again, which is a massive positive. Um, yes, very much looking forward to it. So, yeah, let's 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 crack on. It's coming, it. everyone. Lansley's <laughs> finding the positives already. Um, I'm just going to just dive straight in with a negative negative question then just to really like you know bring this one straight down and i know some of the feedback we got was your podcast is a bit too negative at times sorry everybody but reading are pretty shit and they have been for a few years so it's difficult not to be i like we try not to be on here but it the is voice that you put on for that was a little bit you know it's like... eh, i'm sorry it's it's difficult but first time matt that you thought reading were going down first time in the season yeah. Um, properly was Preston. Properly was Preston. You know, like le- leaving that game, that the, the writing was on the wall at that point. It seemed and at that point, you know, when we left, Paul Ince was still in charge. Um, you know, of that, um, that was the first proper time. I mean, Birmingham the week before as well. It started to set in, but Preston away. That was the first time when I thought certainly. We're fucked. Yeah, I think one of the responses we got was uh, just like when when the six point deduction was confirmed, and then we went and lost two one against Preston. And yeah, I can 
I can certainly see that one. Lots of people went with the Preston away defeat as as their answer, Paul. Um, but we've, you know, we've got a fair range of answers as well. Um, a lot of people going with Coventry away as well, Paul, being the first time they really thought Reading were down. And I think it it didn't really hit until quite late in the season. Like the reality of the situation almost was very late before people kind of went, "Oh crap, yeah, we actually are going to go down." Yeah, that's true. But there are quite a few people that have actually put things like, as soon as we appointed Paul Lins full time. Um, so they saw that at the beginning. But yeah, you're right. It was very light for, late for most people. Um, full time versus Wigan, Preston away, Hull at home, Andy Carroll against Luton immediately after Blackpool away. I mean, that's very early, isn't it? So, you know, first day of the season. Funnily, I was I was more optimistic after Blackpool away. Um, Both of us were leaving that game. I remember when we were talking about it, and Paul, you were you were the um, mellow one, I think, in uh, out of the three of us because you 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 were pretty down after that game. But Alex oh, and yeah, I, no, we, totally. we were. Yeah, yeah I wasn't. Yeah, I, I wasn't necessarily I mean, optimistic that we'd finish top half or anything. But I thought, well, if we if we finish above Blackpool, I think we'll, you know, I think we'll be okay, <laughs> or at least close to okay, because Blackpool were oh. rubbish. Kind we of did finish right Blackpool. Yeah. <laughs> it just so happens that we both went down. Yeah. And Blackpool were even worse than I guess we we first thought. Actually, actually, to be fair, leaving Black, that Blackpool game, I thought Blackpool was shocking first game of the season. We've said that yeah. many times. Yeah, I let's know, not get yeah. into that. Though. Let's, let's yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, there's a few people though, obviously Paul, who kind of expected it from you know pre-season. There's an answer here which was expected it from pre-season, but. After the start we had, it wasn't until the points deductions beginning to get rumoured that they thought, you know, thought that we were going to go down. Um, and there was, yeah, there's, it was difficult because we obviously went into the season with such an expectation that Reading were going to struggle all season. And that start meant that we had such a downhill slope the entire, the entire rest of the season, which just made it so much more, not difficult to take, but just worse to watch, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, as someone put here, the Blackburn away defeat, we just leaked late goals and poor defending, watched it on TV and was thoroughly depressed. It was just so depressing watching us at times this season. I mean, quite a lot of it. I mean, if you are listening to this, we will have a section where we're going to be more positive as well. So it's not just going to be constant negativity all the way through, which is Feedback noted. Yeah, definitely <laughs> keep that. Keep, keep the levels, keep, keep, keep it coming. But no, I understand it. It's horrible when you watch your team and you know, or you really think, okay, so we've got away with this for the last few seasons, but we've always managed to pull out a win at some point. Like last year, we had the one at Sheffield United. We had the late four for all against uh, Swansea City. Not a win, but an absolutely massive point. But during these last 13 matches when we haven't got a win, there was nothing. There was no real moment when I thought, Okay, we're really close to this now. This would be a real shot. It, it just didn't happen, even in that Burnley game with the nil-nil, which we played fantastic to get that draw. But we never had any moments at the end it of never, that game. Not even a corner, a free no, kick. No, never, never, there was never a moment where the crowd got behind them and it felt like we were suddenly turning a mm. corner, right? Even it, it, during that last few months of the season. Um, yeah. And I, I, one of my kind of like not favourite answers, but one answer which I really resonate with was Cardiff away. And somebody's basically said here that with Ince refusing to basically change the, you know, change the flow in that game, 
it just told them everything they, they knew for the rest of the season about Ince's mindset and the fact that we've been completely found out with the rest of the division and that he was too stubborn to change what he wanted to do. And kind of a way did feel like the first time where I thought, oh, we're a, we are going to be in a bit of trouble here if we, you know, don't don't change things. The only reason why I don't say Cardiff away is just because of the point deduction hadn't set them. And we also didn't know about it then. Um, I think, you know, we, what, what was it? We said 13 points clear at the start of March. Uh, yeah, after the after the Blackpool game, it was 30. I got it right this time. I nearly yeah. said Blackbird again. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was th- 13 points after that Blackpool game, which is just crazy when you think about it. Let's let's dig in let's dig into a one player and then like look at a bit of detail and talking of blackburn um tom ince paul obviously ex-blackburn and really i think tom ince player of the season probably deserved um across the year and we look back and i think the first half of the year he was by far and away our best player um and it's i think it's difficult to argue otherwise because you look back at some of the games which we won earlier in the year and it's it feels like we wouldn't have scored anywhere near as many points without him on the field. He, he obviously, he got the winner against Wigan away, scored against Burnley away. Uh, I think he provided the cross for Navi Sar at Millwall away. And Cardiff at home. Yeah, there's so many games early in the season where I just think without Tom Ince on the field, we probably wouldn't have won the game. Um and he did have a really good first half of the season, didn't he? Yeah, he impacted so many matches in the first half of the season, kind of pre-World Cup. He was, I wouldn't say he wasn't the best, uh, one of the best players in the Championship, wouldn't go that far. But he was in the bottom half of the table. He was up there amongst the most consistent players who were impacting matches. Problem is with Tom Ince, it doesn't create that much in open play at all. Um, well, he didn't get an assist in open play all season. No, no. And it's not just no assist. You don't actually remember many chances that he's created that have been missed. But let's, let's forget that bit. He actually was a very positive player in the first few months of this season. And without him, we'd have a lot less points. There's no doubt on that. Or we'd have been relegated a lot earlier. There are issues later on with Tom Ince, with his attitude, and particularly in that whole game, which was uh, abysmal, the way he was reacting, the way he was behaving. But people also say, you know, it's because he demands the standards, it's what he does. It's just difficult. It's difficult to know where to sit with him sometimes because you can see there's a talented player in there, that there's no doubt on that. But sometimes at what cost is it? To have that player, I, I don't know. And part of the issue, I think, with Tom Ince as well is obviously we talk about the standards and the and the levels that he wants the rest of the team to play at, Matt. But it did feel like after World Cup that his not necessarily his standards dropped, but his output fell away hugely. Uh, I don't know how many goals he scored after the World Cup, but it can't have been many. And it just felt like there was a it, not necessarily a different player, but his his level had dropped from probably a solid seven or eight out of ten season to what was basically an average year. What I think you've got to take into account, though, with Tom Ince, though, was that he's one of the only players that played pretty much every single minute of that first half of the season as well. You know, he was so crucial to the team; he almost had to play, you know, a lot of a lot of 
football, you know, to 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 help us get the points. I think, um, you know, and when you then take into account the fatigue that then sets in later on in the season, you know, it's no surprise that really got injured towards the end of the season. Because like I say, if, if you're playing pretty much every single minute of every game, you know, you can't do that for for, for 46 games, um, you know, or it's, you can, but it's very, very hard. And there's certainly a, a player like Tom Ince with the flair and, you know, what he brings to a team. It's difficult for that side for, for him on that. So that could have contributed to it. Yeah, I would still say Tom Ince has still been one of the best signings that we've made, as in on the pitch with his output in the last few years. Mm-hmm. I don't feel, you know, I don't feel that's... Has a, to be, doesn't he? Sign him on a, we signed him on a free and he's produced what 13 or 14 goal contributions this year yeah. he's got so you know is he been a bad uh, signing for him? no he's been a really good one but i don't think he'll be here next season i can't see it matt do you think he'll be here next year tomins um i'd i'd like to think he would be because he's a good player um you know i'd expect him to do incredibly well in a in, a, in you know in league one but is Tom Ince probably going to want to play in League One? Probably not. Will teams also probably come in for him as well to try and get him? Yeah, you know, if we get offered two and a half million or so for him, you, you're probably going to take that, right? Or maybe even two million, you know. A lot more than I was expecting, but yeah, I yeah. can see your point. I, I, I think that teams, I think we might struggle to sell him in all honesty, because I think that it, it feels to me a little bit like the Declan Rice situation with West Ham, where the valuation that they put on him and the valuation other teams put on him is two different things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Declan Rice and Tom Ince are very different players. Can I, just, can I just say, I didn't expect to start doing this podcast and hear Declan Rice being mentioned, the friend of T-Mac, which you know, seems to come from somewhere, I don't know where it is, being compared to Tom Ince. I mean, Tom Ince <laughs> would love that. <laughs> I'm going to throw in another depressing question because, you know, um, I'm going to try and get them all out of the way early on. Um, Paul, most depressing loss this season. Oh, geez. Wow. There's so many. Masses masses to choose from. So there are masses. Um, Most depressing. I think it's really, really hard to look past that Cardiff match because we just offered nothing. Nothing in any way or form, and just sat there and waited to be beaten. It took a really cracking strike from Romain Sawyers, who will always be on my dislike uh, list now for no rational reason. But uh, yeah, it, it, I think that one in the Luton match was just horrible. QPR, there's there's a whole list of them, isn't there? I mean, what. what Last thirteen matches. Those, those say, two really. weren't losses, Paul. They were draws, Luton and. Uh, I know, but they felt like it. They didn't. They. That's the problem. <laughs> so many matches you go into, and you think if we don't win here, and we just we just couldn't do it, and that that's ultimately why we've been relegated. But if we look through the list, there's a whole array of. Uh, Goodness me, there's so many, there's so many, and the thing is as well. We, I mean, we've had a lot of responses here, and there's so many different responses, which is really sad. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people who are saying Cardiff away. Um, and, you know, I totally agree. Cardiff away was like, the, it was just awful. You know, finally a chance. And a lot of people obviously wouldn't have gone down to Cardiff. And it it was on TV. It's a Friday night at the start of the weekend. And it just ruins your weekend completely as well. When, when you lose on a Friday and you've watched Reading just be absolutely miserable. There's one of the responses here, which was 
This is this person's first away game following the club. Travelled further than most because they don't live in Reading. They go all that way on a Friday night and we lose 1-0 in the 90th minute and didn't have a shot. Now, that is a miserable first ever away game following Reading FC, I have to say. Oh, I'd dude. like to I'd, I'd like to say just on that um if if he is listening the person that, that did that there are some good away games as well please keep trying to follow it's not all like Cardiff away that was one of the worst you just chose a majestically bad one to make your very first get down to Stevenage big man get down <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of people have also mentioned Rotherham and that was a truly terrible day as well that was really quite early in the season a 4-0 defeat and 4-0 at halftime. One of the I can't think of a worse goalkeeping display than Joe Lumley in that first half. That was shockingly bad, wasn't it? Well, let's come on to Joe Lumley because he was obviously a big player during the season. I think he played 44 games in total, just missing the games against Middlesbrough, obviously with Bazanis coming in. I'm going to just throw it to Matt and he can have like a five-minute Maybe not five minutes. He can ha- he can have a little like whinge about Detox. how bad Lumley was this season. <laughs> so we can get out of the system. Matt. Uh, sorry, but I'm just going out for a bit. I'll tell me when he's finished. <laughs> Matt, you can you can throw in some positives here about Lumley if you've got any as well. I do. Oh, no, 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 I do. Like, like, like I do have some positives about Lumley because as a person, I love him. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant person. Um, great character. Um his shithouse three will, well, it, it'll be hard to top. He's absolutely fantastic at that. On him as a person, the one of the moments that I really remember from him this season was him shaving his head for his yeah. friend. When his, mm-hmm. I think his friend is at Bristol Rovers. I can't remember the name of his friend off the top of my head, but his friend at Bristol Rovers got confirmed having cancer and he, he shaved his head along with all the Bristol Rovers squad, which I thought was, you know, that was quality. It does show that he's a... He's a a genuinely nice bloke, and B he does seem to care a lot about like the people around him and his squad and his teammates and his friends and things like that. Um, doesn't and and, doesn't and for a lone player, he's not afraid now to slay him. Well, no, well, no, well, no, no, yeah. <laughs> like, but he he also seemed to care a lot about Reading. You know, he integrated himself a lot with 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 the fans, bounced off the fans a lot. You know, and really, really became quite loved. And I think it goes a long way by the fact that you know he was only a lone player but you know he was voted second in, in the player of the season and I'll be honest I genuinely thought he was going to get player of the season um completely against who I would have picked um but um but but yeah that's kind of the good parts it's just a shame that all of that doesn't actually turn into shot stopping ability and the ability to be a good goalkeeper but he just isn't he's just not a good goalkeeper he doesn't say sh- I'm going to try and provide a tiny bit of balance because I don't, I do agree. I think he struggles as a championship goalkeeper. I don't think he was anywhere near as bad as we expected him to be. Do, do um, no, 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 no. I would like, like looking back at the season, he's pretty much exactly what I expected him to be because it's pretty much exactly what Borough fans and QPR fans said about him. Great person. Um, you know, but he just, is well, he didn't have as many errors, I think, or errors, you know, that 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 you would pin on him. You know, Rotherham away was was obviously a collection of them, but when you look at how many other moments he had, which were you know proper errors, him you know spooning it into his own net, laying it through his hands, whatever you want to say, dropping the ball, he didn't really have many of them. 
There weren't but, standout errors, I agree, but no. there was a lot of moments where where we watched the goals go in, and you think, and you think maybe he should have be done better. better. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 and so, so many. I think so many times this season, fans kept saying, "Oh, Lumley had no chance. He had no chance. He had no chance. He had no chance. He had no chance." You know, we that was an awful lot of goals from outside the area. Was one thing that I I kind of yeah. noticed this year. It felt like we conceded way more goals outside the area than I would have expected us to. Worse than Rafael, though, because we've had this issue for years from long shots, haven't we? It's not a new, he's not alone there. Luke Southwood, Rafael, we can go, oh, I'm not even going to mention Jal Virginia. I mean, I just have, but yeah, oh my God, yeah. But I don't think, I want to counter it a bit on Joe Lemmy. I don't think he was that bad. I, I thought he was okay, but I think you know, it's just balancing it out. Matt, I can see your face there. You like, can see the visual of this, everyone. He's not happy, but I just think, why was he not that bad? Okay. Well, I think A, I think he's a really positive leader in that group. I agree. And on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And he tries to get the best out of the players. You've got to look at the defenders in front of him. Okay. Would any of those defenders get in any top half championship team? No. Would they get in? Very few. Um, any of some of them wouldn't even get in a championship team. They're not very good, are they? It's the worst bunch of defenders I've seen in the championship era. So first of all, you've got that issue in front of you. You've got not much kind of defence. So he has to make far more saves than anyone else. I agree, he's not a great goalkeeper. No way would I say that. And I don't think he's a player that, if we were saying the championship, I'd be desperate to sign again, because I think he's done okay. I don't think he's been as bad as some people make him out to be. But Maybe I'm just being kind there, but I, I think it's good to balance it out. I think he's, a, I'm going to just, you know, throw my two pence in and as well. I think he's been okay, hmm. but not good. No, I get um, that. Yeah. You know, when you look at the table and you've conceded, what is it, 70 goals this season or something? I can't remember the exact amount 68. of goals he conceded. 68. And he, yes, he wasn't in goal for all of them. I think he's conceded 62. 61, something like that, 60, 60-ish, 60 60-plus. 60 but then you look at the team, as Paul said, the defence, not very good. The style of football, very defensive and set up to try and draw games. And it's like, well, you're asking your goalkeeper to, to struggle because you're asking him to do way more than the average goalkeeper. Um, and when you nail in the coffin, though, on that point is just save, save percentage. Which yes, very, and his save percentage is not high. I will agree. Um, I think he's got one of the lowest in the league from from when I looked at that. On the save percentage, is that down to the fact that the opposition are having such high quality chances, though? There is that as well. A lot yeah. of the chances we were giving up, you know, were big chances. But then on the counterpoint, Paul, we also conceded goals from outside the area a lot as well. So it's it, we just conceded a lot of goals, didn't we? Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I, like I said, I don't think if we were in the championship next season, I'd be desperate to sign him. But I don't think he's been... I think there's been players who've been worse than him this season considerably. And hopefully that is the last I get to talk about Joe Lumley. <laughs> we can move on. We'll probably, end up, we'll probably end up discussing Lumley a little bit more in a bit, but hopefully it won't be. Hope, what I'll do is I'll skip past you, Lance, so you don't need to mention him. It's fine. I'll, um, let's I'll go put some earplugs in my ears. Let's go a bit more positive. <laughs> For the next uh, next topic, um, difficult one this one because we didn't score that many goals. Um, you know, I'm going to just whisper that one quietly. But we didn't score that many goals this season. 
It was only a few really good ones. And I think there's there's an obvious winner here, Paul, for goal of the season, right? Yeah, I would say Hendrik against QPR, not the second one. The first one was absolutely glorious. But there were some other some pretty other good goals, which one he scored. I think it was against Watford. But the one that's like a secret one, which I'd almost forgotten one, was the 4-0 one against Middlesbrough. That was that was a quality strike. And Cassidy against Blackburn away. I mean, I think I think you're forgetting you're, you're forgetting one of the greatest goals of the season as well. You've not mentioned it yet, and it was Jeff Hendricks' only assist of the season as well. Birmingham away, Lucas Yao. right on the goal line, right on the goal line, and that 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 was Jeff Hendricks' only assist of the season. Great. Let's let's discount Hendrick versus Watford because uh, Hendrick Hendrick versus Cuba. Let's discount that. That won the goal of the season award. I don't think we need to go. You know too too much further into it let's discount it what's the next goal of the season for you matt um it would be between ints against cardiff and the fauna goal i think against middlesbrough um i'd probably go for the ints goal against cardiff um just purely because actually i say i, I say that the power on it I, the fauna one was half volley as well wasn't it I think I think it probably actually goes to Fauna. I know I'm I'm, I'm going to give it Fauna. Yeah. What about Fauna. you, Paul? Fauna uh, as well. For me, I give it to Hendrick against QPR. No, no, no. Yeah. We're discounting Hendrick versus QPR. That's a no, just just it again. <laughs> just <love> it. <laughs> You've given it two, two, two awards, first and second. Yeah. Was that good? Yeah. Well, why not? It's like being that kind of season. No, if I'm going to have the second one, thinking about it, I would. It's between Fauna or Ince against Cardiff, and both of them are really good strikes. But I think I'd probably go for Ince against Cardiff. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go for one which might be a bit under the radar and forgotten. I'm going to go for one very early on in the season when we beat Bristol City at home and we scored a counter-attacking goal in the last minute to seal it. And Shane Long like put on the afterburners on the left wing and uh, knocked the ball across for Carroll and we won 2-0. That it's was a very probably, good goal on the eye. It, it was really one of my favourite goals because it was a proper counter-attacking move where you thought, oh, Reading can counter-attack. They are good at it. And then we never did it again, unfortunately, like that. But that was a goal which I really enjoyed watching at the time. And it's it was one where it wasn't just one player producing a moment. It, it felt like there was a... And not necessarily a whole build-up to it, but it just felt like there was a bit of like promise there. and It looked good on the eye and... That was one which I really enjoyed. Um, I but think also, the... I got to say it wasn't like technical or anything, but goal of the season, I like oh, maybe moment, and it really was a moment. Was Shane Long when he walked up to take that penalty and scored it, and they were chanting his name, it just like that. The nostalgia of that moment, and uh, yeah, debut. that was the only goal he scored in the league, as we discussed on the other mm-hmm. podcast. But enjoyed it enjoyed it and there's been very little to enjoy this season so i'm gonna really deep dive into those moments i mean let's discuss um shane long and and you know what and let's let's throw in shane long lucas show and andy carroll because they were our three kind of you know main strikers this season i think they got the most minutes of all the strikers and we look at them none of them scored 10 goals this season which is a real you know negative against all three of them um, and between them, they got 17 league goals, Matt. And that's less than some players got on their own. 
near the top of the table. Um, and it's it's such a difficult one, I think, to judge all three of them this season because how much of it is them playing badly? How much of it is them having to struggle through a style of football which wasn't suited to attacking play? And how much of it is just a case of, you know, we didn't create enough chances for them? I think it's a mixture of um, the, the style of play management and chance creation, you know, right? I think actually if you look at... Probably if you looked at the stats of actually how many shots we've had this season, it's probably one of the lowest in the championship, if not the lowest. Probably expected goals is probably near the bottom as well. for high qu- uh, Actually, it might not be because we've got quite a few penalties, actually, which probably bumps it up a bit. Um, yeah, like I think Andy Carroll, Lucas Schau, are they bad bad players? I don't think they're that bad. You know, they, they were then just made to play an absolutely atrocious style of football and also had no coaching of what they actually wanted to happen in that style of football you know so it's like they've pretty much been hung out to dry to just fend with their own devices you know for for a season you know Lucas Zhao can can do that in moments but you know you're waiting on individual brilliance and quality and you know when you when you're a team down the bottom playing very 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 defensive football it's always going to be hard you know right it's not a massive surprise that they have scored, you know, 17 combined between the three of them. It's a dreadful stat that shocking for your three strikers to that be their return. But is it surprising? I'd probably say no. Paul, when you look at it, it's, it's really like disappointing. And as I said, on the the final podcast after the whole uh, Huddersfield game, it, 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 it's sad, right. For, for Shane Long, I think, because he's come back and, None of us expected Shane Long to come back and score 20. I mean, we can go back and listen to the, the podcast after he signed. And I think we all said, if he gets four to six goals this season and we stay up because of the goal that he scores, that would be incredible. That would be a great season. And it's not. It's just not worked out, I think. No, no, no. It, it hasn't worked out at all for Shane Long and the way that he would have dreamt of, the way he would have like wanted it to work out for him coming back to the team that essentially he loves. I know, like he said recently, he grew up supporting uh, Leeds United because of all the Irish players there. But Reading's in his heart now completely. You know, he lives in the local area-ish. I don't know where he lives exactly, but roughly. And uh, it's sad. (laughs) It is sad because everybody loves Shane Long. And the story of going back to 2005-06... And yes, we did keep 106. I'm going to put a positive in there. Burnley fans raging. It doesn't matter. Oh, who cares? It went down. But <laughs> it's kind of like, where are we up with Shane Long? <clears throat> he just knew he wasn't going to score many goals. And he gave everything in those first few games. And you can see, even though he wasn't scoring, he was doing a job. He was showing like Premier League experience, bustling, winning free kicks, making runs. But the injuries, the terrible tactics, the lack of chances to miss, it's, it's not been great. And it's not the way you want to go out when you retire. Um, so I do feel from there. But life isn't a fairy tale, is it? And he has had an amazing career from where he started, taking only up football, I think, when he was 15 or 14, which is incredible. But for Reading... I think he'll still be loved forever by fans because I think this season will get very forgotten in the grand scheme of things of Shane Long's career. 
realistically. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to affect it. It's like Noel Hunt as manager. I don't think it's going to affect him. No, I, I, I agree. Um, a player who was a bit more divisive, Matt, was, was Andy Carroll. And <laughs> there's there's definitely a, a big divide. I think there's still a big divide in the fan base as to, with Andy Carroll as to whether you love or dislike or hate Andy Carroll being in the team. Um, I'm still on the fence of I don't really, I never really understood why Andy Carroll was in the team because it, it just forced you to play one style of football. And even when he wanted to play a different style of football, you couldn't because he was in the team. That being said, I don't think when he was in the team, he played, he, I don't think he was necessarily playing badly, but it just lent Reading to play badly. Well, and I think one thing I think you've got to remember with Andy Carroll, though, is like people say that, well, with Andy Carroll, you've got to play that, that style of football. Well, we were playing that style of football regardless. You know, that was Ince's style of football, just in a nutshell. Like big man up top, lump it up to him. Even even like last year when you were looking at it, we were trying to lump it up to Lucas Zhao. How many times did we say, you know, on podcast last year, why? What's the point of lumping up to Zhao? He's not going to win headers. I know he's big, but he's not someone who's going to bustle against somebody. You know, yes, Andy Carroll gives you the ability to do that, but that's all that Paul Lintz was going to play, regardless of if Andy Carroll was there or if it was someone else. You know, so I think a lot of a lot of the 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 kind of hate with Andy Carroll, it's kind of a bit with Tom Ince, I feel, is just down to Paul Ince himself and the style of football he wanted to play, he implemented. And oh, I say style of football, the football that we did end up playing under him. Um, not really that it was a style, but like, yeah, you know, I think I, I think he does get a lot of maybe unjust criticism because of that. Is there limitations to his game? Yes, there is. There's massive limitations to his game. You know, like we, we, we've talked about how slow he you is. You have to play around him, right? And Unfortunately, if you're going to pick him. Yeah, but that, that that's the same with, with quite a lot of players. You know, if you play Lucas Shaw, you, you've got to play it into his feet, you know? Yeah, and and and, you, and So, so ev- every player that you play up top, you know, you're going to have to try and play around if you're going to try and make him effective. Is he so, still going to be? Is he still going to be first choice, Paul, next season? We, like we don't know who the manager is, we don't know what style of football we'll play, etc. Yeah. But is is Andy Carroll going to be first, check, second choice striker next season? Do you think at Reading? Well, if he's here, I find it very hard to believe that he won't be playing. I, I mean, why would you not use Andy Carroll in League One? I can see, obviously, if we bring in a more progressive manager who's going to change the style and everything, yeah, great. I'd, I'd love to see that. But at the moment, where we stand, forget all the numbers of players, he's going to be the best striker that we've got left, isn't he? You know, there's no one else. I think he's going to be the only striker we've got yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not discounting like the academy ones, but um, there's just nothing, is there, now? We've lost Lucas Jow, we've lost Yaku Meite. Um Shane Long, obviously, he's gone as well. There's just nothing, is there? Give me, so. give me, give me two minutes on Lucas Schalpel. Go on. There, okay. there is a player. There is a player who splits opinion like nobody else at Reading, because the guy's talent, I think, is unarguable. He mm. is a good player. I know lots of people listening are going to say, "No, he's lazy and he's not good and he doesn't score, etc." And yeah, granted, he hasn't had a good season. I don't think compared to previous. Um, he still ends up with seven goals this year, despite playing like half of the minutes that Andy Carroll's played. But it's so difficult to keep trying to praise and defend and 
you know, be on Lucas Zhao's side almost, I think, as a fan at points. Because he doesn't make it very easy, does he? Or he hasn't made it very easy in his Reading career. I don't know. I mean, if you look at the goals he scored, he's got a fantastic record at Reading for goals. And that's ultimately what we've always wanted for years. We said we wanted to sign a striker who comes in and scores the goals, which he's done. But yeah, I, I think as a fan base, we seem to have a tendency to prefer players who run around a lot. It seems to be the way it is. And Lucas Jow doesn't fit that kind of like formula or mould, does he? I mean, he's a player I love, but the way it's ended with him saying, no, we don't know what he said to Noel Hunt. We don't know that scenario completely. But Noel Hunt seemed very unhappy with him after the, the Huddersfield match. We it, very much seemed, it very much seemed like Lucas Jow has vanished off on his holiday and said, I don't want to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it just seems like we also haven't heard from Lucas Jow. So it's only fair to like give both sides. And also, if you're Lucas Jow playing in that match, what you what's happening in it? But you also could say he's contracted, so he should be there. It, it, it's there's so many sides to that story. It's just the kind of indicator of what's going on inside the club, though, isn't it, really, Matt? That there's there's a mess, isn't there? There is. And you know, to be to be frank, I think the fact that you know, our two strikers, really, or main two strikers, are probably somebody that, or two players that nobody can even agree on if they want them in the team, they don't want them in the team. Are they a good player? Are they not a good player? Should we keep them? Should we not? Should we play them? Should we not? You know, just speaks so many volumes, you know, of kind of where Reading FC has been this season, um, off and off the pitch. Um, it's sad, really. And it's sad with the Lucas Shaw one, because like, like, like you guys have touched upon his talent is undoubted he's probably going to go down as probably you know the the best goal scorer we've probably had you know in the last 10 10 years or so potentially even more you know probably 15 years you know you're going back to the likes of Dave Kitson you know and I think it's interesting because like I, I do also kind of feel like if Dave Kitson was probably in a modern era we probably might not remember him as fondly maybe as we do because I kind of the, the personalities between Kitson and Zhao I think are so similar like with, with with their with their personalities and that, but well, one's in a, one's in a successful team and one's in a team which has failed years on years and years in a row, right? Yeah. And that's that's mm. where your differences lie. Um, yeah, Kitson was a better player, as in all round. Oh, yeah. undoubtedly, yeah. yeah. But, but they're I very similar mould. I have compared them as well. But like yeah. it, when I remember recording the podcast with Jakumete a few years ago, and even he mentioned that Lucas Jow was a bit lazy. I mean, these are players that play with him. So, yeah. Difficult to difficult to argue, really, unfortunately. Um, and I guess on the subject of Lucas Schau, and a lot of people have put him down here in the answer to this question, is most disappointing player this season. And, and one of the answers here is Zhao has so much in his locker, but unfortunately just far too much of it stayed in his locker this season. Um, and... Like let's let's move on to most disappointing players. And oh my goodness, the list is so long, Paul. Like I'm just looking down all the answers we've got here. And I genuinely think eighty to ninety percent of the squad have been named at least once. Yeah. <laughs> it is normally at the end of a season, there's like a scapegoat, isn't there? There's someone or two players 
who uh, was a matter what you've done. I'm sure if we'd have had this in the 106s, there would have been someone who would have been like, oh, he's useless. We need to get rid of him. But it doesn't matter because the rest of the team's amazing. John Oster didn't <laughs> score enough. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ridiculous because he was fine. But um, John Oster, wow. And then we look at um, the list here. It is insane. The, you're like you're saying, Alex, just such a variation of names. I mean, you got Loon, you got Babaraman, you got Jeff Hendrick, you got Ijaria, you got Jao, you got Shane Long, you got Saar. And this is out probably out the first 20 or 40 answers we've had. And I've got to say, thank you so much. We have like over 250 answers. So we do appreciate that. But yeah, it's such a variation. I mean, where'd you go with this, Matt? I'm looking at the bottom. I mean, Andy Yidham gets in, a, in there as well. He gets quite a few mentions. I've got to say. I'm looking at the bottom of the list, Ijaria. Zhao, mm. Nesta Guinness Walker gets a mention. Um, Most disappointing, Nesta Guinness Yeah, Walker. that one I'm not, not necessarily sure on. Uh, Joe Lumley gets a mention. And as you say, uh, Yeardong gets quite a few mentions in here as well. It, it's a, and this one, you know, I'm not going to read this whole answer out, but they've all been poor at some point or other this season. And that, <laughs> in fact, you know who the only, maybe, the, I'm sure lots of people will go, actually, he really was disappointing. But the only player I can think of who isn't named in this list is Tom Holmes. And yet mm. I look back at his season and think, actually, I think his second half of the season, he had a really disappointing second half of the season. Mm. Um, no. I guess it's all in context of how the rest of the squad were playing. Um, for me, it's a difficult one because like, We've said there's so many answers that you could give. Um, but the biggest I, I, question is, like someone sent in here, Oviajaria, where on earth is he? That's what I was going to go with, Oviajaria. <laughs> One of the answers here, Oviajaria, a high earner who's just disappeared completely off the face of the earth. He's a talented player and a waste of space. Yeah, like The guy's got loads of technical ability, but he might as well he might as well not be a footballer because he doesn't play. Yeah, I, I love Ovi, but he's just not worked out. No, he needs to move. It's just not worked out here at all now, has it? It's been disastrous two years almost now. I don't think he's played a game since, I want to say it's looting away before for um, the World Cup. Obviously, he had fell out with Paul Ince and reportedly refused to come on against Holloway from home and since then got injured and hasn't played a game since then. Loom gets a lot of mentions in this, I will say. And I think Loom was incredibly disappointing, Lansley. Um, one of the answers here was, I was really excited that we were going to sign a player who's played for Porto and has had a full season in the Liga. But after a few games, started seeing dreading seeing him in the lineup because every time he picks the ball up, I was petrified he would just pass it straight to an opposition, which he did a lot. And the amount of times he would press too soon and then just leave massive gaps in the midfield for the ghost of Jeff Hendrick to deal with was just uncountable. It was a great answer. Um and I completely agree. It was so disappointing watching watching Loom because his pedigree suggested he should be so much better than he actually was. And actually, he's had now had two relegations in a row with different teams. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think, to be honest, we could probably cut this um, answer probably into two two answers we, 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 because, you know, Ovi Ajari, it's hard to actually, you know, put him above um, Loom because he not really played but I think that speaks a lot of volumes actually to Ovi Ajaria. Loom is probably the most disappointing player that has played 
this season because, like you say, you, you bring in somebody who's played played for Porto, played La Liga last year. Yes, got relegated, but you know that the, there was some plaudits of him and his and 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 his play last season in La Liga. But I've I I struggled to think of a player with the technical ability of Loom and not in a good sense, you know, because it it's it's, it's shockingly bad. It genuinely stuns me that he has a contract at Porto, who are one of the Europe, like they're a European giant, and he can and they play good football. They 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 they're a team that you know likes to actually play football. You know, you actually have to pass the ball more than five yards or even more than two yards to be a good player there. Stunning, honestly, it's stunning. I cannot believe that one, Um, Paul. I think anybody else want to raise here? Yeah, sorry. Anybody else want to raise in this list? Oh, well, I mean, it's the whole of the team, isn't it, basically? But what we need to know is our most disappointing player. Who's it going to be? Because for me, I'm going to go for Ovia Jaria. It's got to be. But I'd also throw in who's had the weirdest season and the most depressing season. It's got to be Babra Ramam. Because he is yeah, just... Well, he started off, as our first, started off as first choice left back. People were delighted he came back. And then after about three months, it was a case of like, why is he still in the team? Why are we picking him every week? Um, I think I'm going to say Hendrick as my most disappointing player. Just offers nothing. He's just the most average four or five out of ten player every single week. Um, I can remember maybe two really good halves of football from him. And that's it. Out of 46 games. And it's like, I just struggle to see what he offers. And when he signed from um, Newcastle on loan and QPR fans had him last year on loan in the second half of the year, and a lot of them said, oh, he doesn't do anything. And I I thought, well, maybe it's just the rest of your team isn't very good. And then, you know, three months into the season, it was just like, oh, no, the QPR fans were right. He just lets the game pass him by every single week. Are you going to go for Matt, most disappointing player? I mean, yeah, you got a big list, as There's, the um, yeah, forum you know, told us. I I don't think you can pinpoint it to one player because, as as we've said, there's 15 awful. You seasons. need to pinpoint it, Matt. It's most disappointing player. Most, Come on, most, Matt. most, don't most disappointing. Well, um, I I'd go with I'd go with Loom um, as a player that played, but then, as I said before, you know, I think Oviajaria. As an as an overall, um, it's probably Ovi Jari because he just didn't contribute. Everyone was talking about you know this being his season. He will start set, settling, come back. Jari season that was a big thing before the season started, and that's panned yeah. out to be a bunch of shit. Exactly, <laughs> but 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 he didn't play, so I can't really say that he's above Loom because Loom played a heck of a lot and was diabolical. So that's why I've I've got to just split split it down to those two. I think I'm, um, go- I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. Uh, move on because I can't sit and talk about these depressing subjects anymore. Let's talk about the most positive thing from this season. Uh, in a season where we've got relegated, we did try to ask for some, you know, positive answers here. So, um, Paul, there's, I don't want to say there is some positives and look really optimistic and stuff because I think I'm probably doing a, you know, I'm doing a bit of a disservice to the fact that we've been relegated if I do that. Um, but it, like, you, we're trying to pick some positives out here, right? And a lot of the answers that we got from people were Tommy and um, Paul Ince has been sacked. Paul Ince has left the club. 
Um, we sacked Paul Ince. How depressing is it that the, the one positive thing that we have from this season is the fact that our manager got sacked? Uh, I can't help, don't lie, and say that when I did see all these replies coming in, I was thinking yes, and I did laugh. Because <laughs> like, we all knew that it's exactly the truth, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, it is depressing. But let's kind of like move on to some of the more positive uh, replies you've had. A lot of it's been around like Mark Bowen and uh, the one, setup. That we've one had. one of the ones that I liked, Paul, um, outside of you know the setup and Bowen was we had quite a few answers which were around the fans and the atmosphere at games, mm, has been which is great, surprisingly good given how shit the football's been this year. Yes, um, and the kind of the the consistent improvement of the numbers within 1871 and away games as well particularly yeah yeah totally someone's putting a little sly one and said southwood had a good season as well (laughs) which is like um uh, i like the opportunity a lot of people have said actually it's an opportunity to clean out all the players and start again you know that seems to be a pretty common thing mad stab being full at the wigan game yeah Wage bill will obviously be a lot smaller. Quite a few lot of people have mentioned that as well. It seems to be kind of, I don't know, there were some positives. I think if you think that, you know, if we went, all went to the Blue Collar event and we heard Jared Dublin, we heard Brian Clare, we had Mark Bowen there. And it, it was it was really, you know, quite uh, kind of like uplifting. But we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But some people have some things like the growth of 1871, younger players coming through. One of the answers that I like here is that the penny seems to have dropped Mm. within the club, that we need Bowen making decisions. And will Bowen make good decisions? No one knows. But we need somebody who at least has some idea of what they're doing making decisions, right? Bowen seems like he has a little bit of a clue. Another answer there, which which I liked. improvements in the scouting department as you say jared dublin brian carey coming in and actually building some kind of a scouting department again um it's just a shame that obviously the pennies kind of dropped too late right um uh, and i think my final well not final but there's there's one answer here which is got to be good which is the end of the embargo yes yes because the last time we signed a player for money outside of ovi ajari which was you know, a forced signing because we had an obligation. It was, what, four years ago? So there's going to be people who've been coming to games for years now and have never seen us pay money for a, a signing. Yeah, and also, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes on the restrictions this summer. But my one of my favourite answers was winning 500 quid on a relegation bet because, you know, this is football, isn't it? And there was a crazy time when Skybet were giving out absolutely insane odds, like 18 to 1. Hope you got on it. Thank you. I hope you got on it. Um, and then obviously the um, the the best answer here, which did come up a few times, was just the fact that it's over. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah I, I I do agree on that one. Um, let's let's look forward to next season briefly, Lansley, and um. We did ask people where they thought we would finish next season. It's very difficult, obviously, at the moment to say, okay, we're going to finish in the top two, we're going to be the champions, or we're going to finish mid-table, because 
we don't really know what's going on with the club at the minute. We don't have a manager. We don't have much of a squad. Um, but we asked people anyway to kind of, you know, judge where they think we're going to finish. And 10% of people think we're going to finish automatically promoted next season, which I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't higher than that. I thought maybe it might be higher than that. Sorry, I was looking through the answers. Um <laughs> Um, it, yeah, I, I don't want to be too negative on this, this part, because I think there's a lot to be positive about looking towards next season. And, but 10% of people that think we're going to be top two, I'd love to, was this a joke? Please tell me because, um, I, I just can't see it. I really can't no, see it. Um, people, Matt. It's not. It's not like one person saying we're going to. I know. I know. I, I would like. I, I'd like to know the justification of it because uh, it, it could happen. It could happen. So, I don't think it will. Let's bear in mind that only a few weeks ago, Matt predicted that we'd be in League One for five years. Yeah. Well, this, <laughs> this is, is where this true. is coming. This from. is also true. I mean, <laughs> we may well be. We may well be. But you look back at. I, I looked back at the last you know, four seasons of, of teams getting relegated, pulled out of the championship into League One. And three of them have got promoted straight back automatically in four years. It's not impossible, right? Like, and I, we're not, I'm not saying that Reading are getting promoted, but it's like the odds are there that you are coming down as a relatively big club compared to some of these clubs in League One. We look at, I look at some of these teams in League One and it's like, Yes, Reading aren't that well run, but there is a world of difference between Reading and let's, for example, I don't want to, you know, throw a club under the bus here or anything, but there is a world of difference. Yeah, (laughs) I am. There's a world of difference between Reading and Northampton, for example. I've been to Stevenage personally. Or Stevenage. I've been to (laughs) Sixfields and the Lamics, and it's like those are not, they're not championship grounds. Reading do have a relatively good ground. They've got a good training ground. They've got a decent-ish fan base. And then you look at teams who were in the division last year. Atkinson and Forest Green average three or 4,000 fans a game. One of one of the grounds in League One doesn't even have four stands. I think we oh, all know the who Stadium. About. Yeah, we won't mention them too much. We will have to mention them at some point. But the fact of, is, we, we have that. got all these setups, but we've got a shit team. This is the reality, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, at the minute we we are we are struggling, but forty percent or thirty five percent of people think we're going to finish in the top six, um, which um you know, uh, I I think people people's expectations at the minute when you look at the answers that we've been given are that we should be chasing we should minimum we should be chasing the playoffs. Two thirds of the people who've who've answered think we'll finish, you know, we'll be chasing the playoffs as a minimum next year, and that should be what we should be aiming to do. Um, yeah, as I, I sit here, that would be my minimum aim. To yeah, I think that. it would be a disappointing season if we yeah. if we finished, you know, 10, 15 points off of the playoffs. I think you'd have to, you'd have to not question the club. You'd have to say, oh, that's a really quite a disappointing year having come down, despite the fact that we don't have many players at the minute. You've got a whole opportunity here to go out and sign reasonably good players in summer. Um and if you look at a club like Derby, who came down here in chaos last season, they've only just missed out on the playoffs on the last day. So yeah. it shows it is possible, even in the mess that we're in. It's possible. But I think 
how many people would have probably said Derby last season they're going to be pushing for playoffs? Probably not a lot. They've had a very good season from kind of the situation where that, that they're in. We're going to be in a very similar situation this summer. You know, we've got eleven players that are in contract at the moment. That's including people like Ajaria Puskas, who we know is going to be leaving now. Um, but that's including them. You know, we're going to we're going to be down to probably six, seven players once you once we sell probably a couple of players as well that will probably leave Tom Ince, et cetera, possibly Tom Holmes, Yidam, you know, there's players there that, you know, a low end um, championship team might take a punt on. When you then look at that rebuild that then has to go on behind that, that is a humongous rebuild. Like, and would my aim want to be pushing for playoffs? Yeah, of course. Probably every season you start off in the championship league one, league two, a lot of the time your aim is going to be, unless you're one of those teams that have just been promoted, is going to be, you know, let's try and push for the playoffs. You know, it's always going to be the way. But do I think we're probably going to get that? I don't think so. And so would a mid-table, it's, it, it's a difficult one because would a mid-table finish in League One be disappointing? Of course it would be. It's League One, you know. <laughs> There's no sugar coating that. But do I think that's probably where we're going to end up? Yeah, you know, which is a pretty depressing thought, you know, that we're probably going to end up in in League One, um, in mid-table in League One. But, you know, when we talk of expectations for next year, I, I, I find it hard to think we'll be any higher. Let's hope, though. Let's hope this is a bit more exciting. But, yeah, no, fair enough, Matt. I mean, if that's what you're thinking that's going to happen... It's all opinions, isn't it? But I'm just saying, Andy Carroll, 40 goals, bang, that's it, ledge. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> I'm think not that. saying that at all. Please do not clip that. Anyone is like, comes back and he gets one goal. Yeah, I'm not sure he'll be scoring 40. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> no. Somewhere between 140 is my guess next season. One in 40. Oh, you you are very very brave there, Alex. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I back him so. to score a goal. Um, well, he got nine in the championship this season, so I think he will definitely get some in League One. Yeah. I'd like to hope. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll end there on that kind of like relatively positive-ish note from people who think that we're going to be chasing the playoffs. Matt, Matt aside, Matt, Matt I I, I really hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Um, that's just kind of where I think realism is going to be. Obviously, with with no manager at the minute, Paul. We don't really have like you know loads to discuss for pre-season and no players yet coming in. So I think it's probably a little bit of a break coming up for EPR, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. We'll probably bang our podcast out in the next week or so. No, unless we just can't help <laughs> it. But I also want to say a massive thanks to uh, Alex and Matt for all their work in the, over the last year or so. Absolute legends. If you're listening to this, you should you have no idea how many hours they put into this. It's absolutely immense, and I really appreciate it. So, well done to both of you, and uh, hopefully, you get to see some more way wins in the north next season. Because you just two some have wins, <laughs> just some wins away from home. I've seen, I've seen four away wins in thirty-two league games or t- thirty-two league games in the last two seasons. I think now away from home. It, it just worries me that you have all these stats. It just worries me, but um... because I'm a very sad person, I like to depress myself. <laughs> But yes, yeah, at some point we will definitely be taking a break because we all need that, don't we, Alex? So. We do. Um, 
we'll probably come back and discuss a new manager at some point soon though i'm sure people will you'll see it in your podcast feeds at some point um but yeah thank you to anyone who's listened this season uh interacted with us on twitter or facebook or liked photos that we've posted on instagram downloaded a podcast it's all really appreciated um as paul says an awful lot of time and effort goes in from multiple people it's not just me and matt and paul from time to time but obviously we've got james thanks james James (laughs) Earnshaw is on the podcast lots this season james is a legend yeah got people in the background got dave and eric who are in the background we've got loads of people who've been on the podcast this season i'm not going to list off all your names because it's you know i'm sure i'll forget someone and and upset you but anybody who's been on the podcast this year thank you anybody who's you know downloaded listened interacted with us it's been very much appreciated in what has been a really shit season supporting reading um i'm hoping that next season will be more fun for everybody because it only makes it more enjoyable to do this we'll be back at some point i'm not going to give you a particular time or date because it's not not decided yet um but we'll be back at some point during the off season to discuss the new manager um whenever they make a decision paul yeah whenever that is who knows when that will be but yeah frequency is going to drop dramatically on the podcast but you guessed that but we will be back stronger next season league one promotion push is on it's coming on book the turtle (laughs) (laughs) on that note we'll end there thank you very much for listening and i'll speak to you all very soon cheers